0: Welcome to It's Gwinnable, the podcast of my journey to become the best woman, wife, and mother that I can be. Okay, for this week's episode, I am back to my new usual podcasting spot from my car. Uh, My back is doing a lot better than it was, still kind of sore, but did manage to avoid um, having to go into urgent care or anything like that Um, I hurt my back once a couple of years ago and I figured this was probably the same thing it felt similar Uh, so I am having to take it a little bit easy um, but progressing more and more uh, back towards my usual self I haven't started working out again but we we've we've been able to go for short walks in the neighborhood and um, doing a lot better at uh, getting around with my day-to-day activities in the house and just needing to take kind of sitting down brakes and and things like that so doing better and back in the car it is raining today which I am excited about uh, it's helping with all of the pollen from the seasonal allergies and stuff like that so um, it's that's good uh, but because of that there may be some background rain hitting the car uh, noises in today's episode so I apologize if there are this is just the best quietest spot for me to be Uh, where I'm out of the way of all of my boys, so (laughs) it's hopefully going to be all right. Uh, Rupert is napping, at least I put him down for his nap, so hopefully that goes okay, Uh, and we don't have to cut this episode short. Um, So I was kind of, I was wondering, you know, what to do and what to talk about uh, for this week's episode, but um, I think it's a really good time uh, to talk about anxiety uh, I've talked to two good friends in the last three days who mentioned that either they were or someone they were close to, um, or just having an increased struggle with their anxiety, uh, like related to the, the pandemic and, um, all of the things we're all currently dealing with. Uh, we've in, in, on Vancouver Island, we've hit the one month mark approximately for most people, uh. I do know a few people who started isolating before my family did. Um, they were mostly people who are careful during the general flu season anyways because they have increased risks, whether they're immunocompromised or have um, other health issues that would further complicate ha- um, catching anything, even the common flu. Um, so there are some people I know who were like a one to two weeks of isolation. When we started ours, um, I've been home since March 17th and Robin had the 16th and 17th off. That was his weekend. Uh, so he was supposed to go back to work the 18th and he decided to go into work. They have morning meetings and he, we both kind of figured the morning meeting, they would tell him to go home uh, just because the health minister had announced that. Um, the social distancing not as a guideline but as a necessary thing Um, and it's not possible at Robin's work for co-workers to be six feet apart from each other Uh, so it's technically speaking uh, not possible for them to do their job effectively social distance at the same time Um, that did not happen which we won't get into so Robin worked the 18th um, and then we sorted things out Um, On the 19th. Uh, So that's like he's been officially home since the 19th of March. So we've just passed the one month mark for us being home. And I think I've mentioned like the last probably two episodes just that I'm having a little bit of a more difficult time with, you know, like the routines and things that we put in place, or that I was feeling like I was in a little bit of a funk. So I've definitely noticed as time progressed that. Things are just not kind of how I was anticipating for them to be. Um, Where, like, when we first started staying home, I was like, oh, this is kind of like a staycation, or, you know, if you haven't heard that term before, like a vacation where you don't actually go anywhere, you just stay at your home. Um, And we were, like, expecting it to be just, like, a relaxing time of, like, rejuvenation and obviously, you know, the outside stresses of finances and just worrying about family members who were at an increased risk and things like that. Like we wanted to make sure that we were doing our part to flatten the curve and, you know, do what we were being instructed to do and that kind of thing. But on a day-to-day basis, we were expecting it to be a little bit more of a just peaceful kind of family time. Um, But uh, even with both of us being like, I'm very introverted. Robin is still on the introvert scale just less so than I am so we didn't think we'd have this this much of a difficult time with it and I honestly thought that our son Rupert would handle it actually I didn't honestly didn't even think he would notice and for the, for the first like three weeks he was like oh my god I have you here all the time this is amazing you know to have like our undivided attention and so much more playtime but even he's starting to show some signs of wear and some signs of just big emotions and obviously he doesn't understand that he can't you know go visit my parents live just down the street and he doesn't understand that he can't go visit them or um my when my mom drops by groceries or things like that that he can't uh, give her a hug or that kind of thing so that he's been struggling a bit with that as well um but I figured since Obviously, I'm not the only person <laughs> who's struggling with an increase in, in their anxiety um, on a day-to-day basis. Right now, I figured it would be a good time to just kind of dive in and talk about it. If anxiety is new to you, um, or like it can take a little while to figure out, Like if you're not having a full-blown anxiety attack, Um, which is a little bit easier to spot just because you have like a physiological reaction as far as, you know, like a lot of like, well, for me anyways, if I'm having a panic actual attack, um, I hyperventilate and my heart races and my chest feels like it's being squeezed and I can't breathe properly. And it becomes like a very physical, um, thing that can feel a lot, kind of like you're drowning, except you're not in water, um. And that's a different thing to deal with and we can talk about that too. But what I'm talking about is like the cycle of anxiety where it kind of creeps up on you slowly and you may not notice it for a few days or a week and then all of a sudden you're in the middle of it um, and just really struggling to cope with day-to-day things um, and what to do and kind of that predicament because I feel like that's where, based on you know the people I've been talking to earlier in the week, um, where we're kind of at, where it's just an ongoing day-to-day higher level of anxiety with difficulty coping without necessarily having a full-blown attack. Um, so if, if it's not something that you've dealt with before, uh, it can be hard to recognize the signs and it can be hard to know what to do um, when you do realize that, you know, you're exhibiting uh, some symptoms and things like that. So what I've found over the years, because I started struggling really hard with anxiety um, in my mid-teens in high school, um, you you end up over time building. Um, I've heard it referred to as a couple things, but what I like best is is a toolbox. So um, a list of of things, whether it's a physical list or, or just a list in your head of things you know work well for you, uh, that you can kind of dig into and pull out and utilize when you're having a time when you're struggling. So I thought what I would do today is just go over some of the things that are in my toolbox um, and then a couple of things that can impact anxiety um, that are difficult to kind of deal with and, and combat when you're in the middle of it. And um, uh, there's a couple of things that I know are in other people's toolboxes too, like some more common things. Um, so, I figured we'll just dive in, talk about my specific stuff and what works for me. And then, if this is um, as common of a thing as I feel like it is right now, if this is something um, anxiety is something that you're dealing with right now, or is something that you spent a lot, a lot of years dealing with, kind of like I have, and you've built yourself a good toolbox, um, and there are some things that I don't mention that you find work really well for you. Um, if I get some emails in of different things, I'll do another episode, uh, where we can talk about the, you know, comments, queries, um, suggestions. If you have a specific question, um, obviously I'm not a trained professional. I'm just someone who has about 18 years of experience at this point. So (laughs) if that counts, you know, I can give you my two cents, um, opinion on, On kind of how I would approach the problem if you have something that you think I might be able to just give you some advice about I don't mind doing that Um, I think that anxiety and depression are things that a lot of people struggle with that we are getting better as a society about talking about but still don't really spend very much time talking about so let's dig in and help each other out and get through this so um yeah, In my teens, we'll just go back to the beginning and start from my teens and kind of how I built my toolbox and went from there. Um, in my growing up family, um, anxiety was not something that a lot of people had. I don't really recall anybody struggling with it um, very much. So we were all kind of like, oh, <laughs> what's this? Like I didn't really have a Example to follow, if that makes sense. Um, so it was a little bit of trial and error and figuring things out. Um, and a couple of years into it, I did ask to go um, speak to a professional and get some help. And that was awesome. So I know it can be a little bit harder during times like right now and the pandemic, but I do know um, of some places that are doing like over the phone um, consultations or counseling. Um, and one of them is actually even a free service. So, and a lot of them are also doing like, there's places that'll do online kind of things. So if you feel that reaching out to someone who is actually qualified, um, and, and does have professional um, experience backing them up, that is absolutely, um, an extremely valuable thing to do. And I think it's worth the investment like that, that stuff isn't always cheap, um, but they can help you build a really good toolbox Uh, And different things and there are medications for anxiety. Um, I haven't taken any um, personally myself Uh, but they are like if you're if you're really struggling a lot of doctors are doing phone consultations right now as opposed to in-person appointments and things like that so just look into kind of what's available in your area or um, that sort of thing if you feel like like there's no shame in reaching out and getting help or reaching out and and finding something like even if you're not really interested in being on a medication long term, even if it's just, you know, to get you through to um, the other side of the pandemic or to get you through to where you've built your toolbox to the point where you feel like you're going to be okay tackling it kind of on your own. um, Definitely do uh, reach out and do that because It can be really difficult to build yourself a toolbox when you're in the middle of it. Um, So I can recommend that as well. So when I was a teenager and just kind of starting out, um, it started for me. um, I probably didn't notice like the general building of the anxiety feelings, but I started having full-blown the hyperventilating attacks I was kind of talking about before. Um, Randomly, seemingly without any warning, Um, at any point throughout my day. So um, you can imagine like a 15, 16 year old running around high school, just having a like full on panic attack. So back then, because of how old I am, they were still recommending breathing into a brown paper bag. Um, They do not recommend that anymore. So we can talk about that. But I started carrying a brown paper bag in my pencil case. So when I was walking from class to class um, throughout my school day, it would be right there and I would have access to it right handy. Um, and there were days where I was taking it out of my pencil case five or six times in a school day. Um, and just, yeah, breathing into that and trying to calm down. Um, they don't recommend it anymore. Uh if you're breathing into a brown paper bag, you inhale your own expelled um, breath a little bit too much, um, and that can be dangerous. So, as, as like you know, it is actually it's a an effective tool as far as calming you down, but it's not healthy. Um, and it took them a little while to figure that out. So it's not actually recommended. Um, I took a first aid course in my later teen years, and they were already like that's when they said, okay, stop with the brown paper bag kind of thing. Um, the, so what they're recommending to do now, I'll explain as best as I can, um, is lacing your hands together. So like intertwining your fingers, um, and interlacing your hands together and putting your thumbs together kind of at the top. And it makes what looks kind of like one of the face masks. So your hands are cupped, um, fingers woven together and thumbs kind of making a bridge that can fit over your nose if that makes sense. And then putting your hands over your mouth and breathing through that. Um, The idea being that you do get more oxygen coming in through your interwoven fingers um, than you would through the small, tiny, whatever openings that brown paper bags have, right? Um, So that I've done a few times. Um, Not recently, fortunately, because my panic attacks have sort of lessened as I've built into place some of the other things we're going to talk about. Um, but that is an effective tool. Um, if you're not alone, um, and if you feel comfortable with the person that you're with, I had a paramedic. Um, actually, when I was at work one day, a paramedic came in as a customer uh, and just got to talking to them. And I was just I was in a moment of feeling a lot of anxiety, like borderline anxiety attack. And because paramedics are wonderful amazing people who are trained to spot these things he was like hmm let me talk to you about this for a minute and he um, was standing in front of me and he put his hands on my shoulders and pressed down so he applied pressure to the tops of my shoulders um, and held that pressure there for for a bit and it actually does something to your central nervous system that calms you down which is really cool Um, So I taught that to my husband and sometimes Robin will do that for me. Um, That works really well if you have somebody uh, with you. The other thing that works amazingly well is if you let someone bear hug you. Because similar idea, having their arms wrapped tightly around your torso will also do nice things for your nervous system in a way of calming you down. Um, We don't always have other people around us that... We are comfortable asking for help, especially if you're sort of a shy, more introverted person, or if you um, don't want to let other people know that you're not necessarily doing fantastically. Um, So, but if you do have them around or if you do feel comfortable, those things do also work really well for me. Um, I, so as it back to being a teenager, um, other than my brown paper bag, I uh, I spent a lot of time reading, so reading was a really good escape for me. Um, I carried several books in my backpack because e-readers were not a thing. Uh, so you had to carry the big old, clunky physical ones around with you. Um, and I'm a big fan of rereading something I've already read. If I'm feeling anxious, if it's a new book, um, authors are very good at at, you know, building us up suspense wise or anticipation wise. And I find that that isn't always helpful uh, when you're already feeling anxious, especially if you like reading, you know, like thrillers or mysteries and that kind of thing. Um, So I find uh, if you're comfortable, I know some people don't like rereading books, but if you do uh, have a book that you've read a few times that you really enjoy rereading the book, allows you to like step into that world and kind of out of your own mind for a little while. And if you've read the book before, you don't feel that same level of anticipation or suspense because you already know what the outcome is going to be, so it doesn't it doesn't increase your anxiety that way. So that was a really good one for me. I actually found homework and school projects really helpful to be able to put my intention and focus into researching something. So I did a couple of research projects on my own because I'm a weirdo. Uh my mom likes to talk about how I read up on like the entire like British monarchy. <laughs> like I knew a lot about Henry the Eighth for a very long time. <laughs> and Elizabeth the First and all that kind of stuff. So I was really into doing just like research projects and that kind of thing and and doing that. It's because It's something that you can control. So if you can put all of your focus and all of your attention into something that you have complete control over, um, it helps you regain a sense of control in general. So there's a lot of things in our lives that, especially right now, that we just have no control over. We don't know how long this isolation is going to last for. We don't know how long it's going to take before life resumes anything that looks like what normal used to be. Um, We don't know when we're going to be able to get back to work, how long it's going to take to get our financial situations sorted out, however they look when we come out of this. Um, So there's a lot of things going on right now that we can't control. So it's really important. Um, This is one of the things that kind of definitely moved from my teenage toolbox into my adult one um, being able to put time and effort and energy into things we can control. So I, I just, I do, I enjoy research projects, um, and learning. I've always loved learning about new things I didn't know before and, and stuff like that. So if, uh, that could work for someone, if that's something you enjoy, if you were a person in high school who hated homework and working on projects, don't try to do that. Cause it'll just, cause you stress and make your life harder than it needs to be. So that's kind of a weird one that worked for me. Um, Yeah, so give that a shot if you want. I also spent a large part of my time daydreaming, to be honest with you. I had an extraordinarily long commute to school when I was in high school. It was a two-hour bus trip one way. So I spent four hours on a school bus every day, uh, which gave me a lot of time. Uh, to freak out. So, so, it, but it also gave me a lot of time to read or just to like stare out the window and daydream. So if you have um, an overactive imagination or a decently active imagination, uh, daydreaming can be really helpful. It can help you visualize um, the things that you're dealing with right now, working out the way you want them to, which can be helpful. Um, or even just, you know, if you've ever contemplated writing a novel or something like that or um, like fan fiction and that kind of thing is really big right now where you know your characters are developed and the storylines already developed but you're like hmm, I wonder what would happen if they went and did this instead um, and you can work on really kind of envisioning that it can also just put your focus and attention outside of yourself for a little while and give yourself a bit of a break from being you so to speak so I found that really helpful as well Music is a huge component in the toolbox of a lot of people who deal with anxiety. Um, There's a couple different ways to kind of utilize the music. I like... There are a few songs that make me feel good or happy or take me back to a moment of time in my life where I felt good or was really happy. Um, I like utilizing those songs because once you've listened to them a time or five, uh, it will like change your current mood. Um, So I know that works really well for me. Um, There have been a few times where um, I listened to or put together a playlist that specifically um, made me feel like if I was having a hard time dealing with uh, like a friendship or a relationship that wasn't going very well, um, or I was really angry about it, I would put together a playlist of you know like those angry kind of songs that would amplify that emotion um, to work through it in a sense to like i think that for a lot of cases things like sadness and things like anger i i kind of visualize them as like a cup like you, you know you can have a cup that's full of anger but the cup is only the size that the cup is, and so it might be a really huge, like one of those wine glasses that's like three feet tall. Like um, maybe a really, really huge cup. But my point is, there's a bottom to it. Your body can only feel that emotion for so long before it runs out. Um, so there are two kind of schools of thought. One is to focus, like you know, on the happier music or whatever, and get yourself into a different mindset that way. And the other school of thought being. Um, push yourself through the emotion until it runs out um oh goodness probably about a decade ago i was watching an episode of caesar milan who is one of those dog behavioral corrective training people and i know there's a bit of controversy around him but that's another story um but he was working with a dog that was dealing with a lot of anxiety like you could tell looking at the dog it was shaking panting pacing not having a good time um, and what he did was he just sat and put himself in a position where his body posture was not threatening and just sat there and waited basically uh, and it took a few minutes but the dog eventually lay down and kind of relaxed and he said to the owner like dogs can only physically be in that state of mind for a finite amount of time before their bodies just literally will not do that anymore And they have to calm down. Um, And it's a little bit harder, I think, for human people. Just because we're a lot better at suppressing our emotions. And I feel like our bodies can hold on to them for longer if we're resisting it. Um, So I spent a lot of years working on, instead of fighting it or trying to change my mind or try to suppress it, to just dive into it um, and experience it as fully as possible so that it would pass. Um, you know kids can only cry for so long I feel like adults can cry for a significantly longer portion of time um, but it, your body only has that for so long like you will eventually cry yourself to sleep just because your body physically cannot cry anymore if that makes sense so I feel like that that way for a lot of emotions um, if you dive into it if you make a playlist that is really sad or you make a playlist that's really angry um, you can push yourself into the emotion far enough that you're just done with it, if that makes sense, and then you can switch over to a playlist that makes you feel empowered or a playlist that makes you feel really happy. And so you can kind of use them in in concert with each other, um, or you can just put on a if you have a song that's guaranteed to make you feel good, um, and you don't necessarily or you're not ready right now to deal with the emotion that. Is giving you anxiety then you can just kind of hold off on it for a little bit Um, although I find personally that if you can deal with it as soon as possible it gets you out the other side a little bit faster Um, and that's one of the things that's kind of difficult it's hard when you're in the middle of something to see the light at the end of the tunnel so to speak Um, it can feel like it's never-ending or there's no way to fix it or you're so overwhelmed you don't know where to begin Um, so that can be really tricky and we'll talk about that kind of in a minute. So that's most of what my toolkit was as a teenager. Um, I did also have a pretty good network of friends. Um, so I had people I could call to talk to, um, and just kind of vent things out that I think that that's really important. If you have a friend that will listen to you go on and on about the same problem for for a prolonged period of time, um, and then you can just get all of your feelings out in the open um, bottling things up and not talking about them is not the best way, um, to work through or deal with things. Unfortunately, most of our problems in life do not go away if we ignore them. Um, they just become deeper entrenched and deeper rooted and become harder to dig out in the future. So talking is awesome. So as an adult, as I moved into my adult years and developed kind of different techniques, um, I went, started going for really long walks. If I was feeling anxious, I would grab my, it was not an iPod back then. I forget what it was, but it held a gig. And I was so excited that it was big enough that it held an entire gig of music. (laughs) But I would throw that on with a pair of headphones and uh, go for a minimum of a 45 minute walk. um, Usually more like an hour, hour and a half. And I would sometimes do that twice a day. So I would just get out and walk and walk and walk and walk. Um, and exert and expel that anxious energy physically. I know that that works for a lot of people. Um, I keep thinking that I would like running if I gave it a try. Um, but I know there are people who run for the same reason or bike or swim, um, take a dance class or that kind of thing, like just a way to physically expel the energy, hit the gym and lift some weights, that kind of thing. So that's a really good, um, toolkit. At the very least, going for a walk, you don't have to necessarily walk fast or, you know, you don't have to power walk or anything like that. But just getting out and walking until you've sort of worked through that can be really helpful. At least it is for me. Um, When I got really bad in my early 20s into like a prolonged where it lasted for several months and I was just really struggling with coping, my sister started calling me every day. And if you've dealt with anxiety, you know, sometimes um, the coping mechanisms you use are not great. For example, um, you can switch your days and your nights around so that you're conveniently sleeping during the day when people try to get a hold of you um, as a subconscious coping mechanism for um, avoidance. Because you don't want to tell people how you're feeling and you definitely don't want to see them and you don't really want to leave your house. Um, So... You know, if you're tired of making up excuses as to why you can't talk or go out or whatever, you just, your body is like, okay, well, I'm not going to let you sleep at night. And then you're going to sleep all day and you're just going to be like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't pick up the phone or answer your text message. I was asleep because I didn't sleep well last night, which is a really unhealthy (laughs) coping mechanism. And if you find yourself doing that, I feel like that's one a lot of people slip into without realizing, they're just like, oh, I'm having some insomnia and a difficult time sleeping. Um, That's, you know, they don't realize that their body is kind of tricking them into doing it on purpose um, to try to make their anxiety easier to deal with. Um, Anyway, so my sister started calling me and I was not answering the phone when she called. Um, There are times where, yeah, just looking at a ringing phone can make your chest all squeeze up and give you you know, the beginning symptoms, if not the entire actual full-blown anxiety attack. So yeah, I didn't answer the phone when she called me and she would just leave me messages saying "Okay, like, hey, I'm going to call you once a day, every day until you answer your phone. So I am incredibly grateful that she took that upon herself and decided to do that for me because eventually I did answer my phone. Um, and we actually started going for walks together. So it took us a couple weeks Um, We did not live anywhere near each other. Um, Same time zone, thankfully, but not um, within driving distance where we could get to each other easily to go for walks together. So what we would do is she would call me and we would leave our houses at the same time. And it took us a few weeks to kind of map it out. So we were getting back to our houses at approximately the same time, depending on how fast we were both walking that day. Um, but we started doing that together as a way to get out of the house. So I will be like eternally grateful to her for long distance pulling me out of that. And that would be a good tool to use during these social distancing times. Um, even if you do live close enough together that someone could drive over to somebody else's house and walk with them, um, better to just, you know, if you have Bluetooth headphones, that's awesome. But if you don't old fashioned hold the phone to your ear while you go for a walk, and just call each other and it's fun to map out a route to so like hey i'm about five minutes out from my house you know i've got like a block more to go where are you kind of a thing um work it through together and then you're both getting some exercise and you're having however long you decide to walk for um like 20 to 30 minutes or whatever of time to just chat on the phone and and enjoy outside time uh, so that works really really well you can also if you're not up for going for a walk which is understandable. You can just schedule a time to talk. So just say like, hey, you know what? I'm having a really hard time getting out of bed in the morning. Um, I'm isolating and I'm at home and I don't really have a whole lot going on or um, what have you. Um, I don't really have a reason to set an alarm, so I haven't been. Could we, you know, have a phone call earlier in the morning? Like maybe just you guys could make coffee or tea or whatever you drink first thing in the morning together while talking on the phone. And just drink your cups of coffee or tea together, you know, it's kind of like going to Tim Hortons or whatever coffee shop you like. uh, And sitting down and having a coffee together only long distance, social distancing style. Um, That way you have a reason or a set scheduled appointment um, to help you. You know, if you think, okay, well, they're going to call me at 8 a.m. tomorrow, Um, maybe you're not going to stay up watching Netflix until 2 in the morning. You know what I mean? So it can help get you back on um, a more healthy sleep schedule and just a more um, or if you, you know, if you find that there's a time you really struggle and it happens to be in the afternoon. Just try to hit up one of your friends or a family member and just say, hey, I'd really love it if I could give you a call every day at three and just talk to you for, you know, the length of a cup of coffee or 20 30 minutes, or whatever, just to have that like an appointment sort of thing scheduled. Um, It can help you kind of structure the rest of your day if you feel like structuring your entire day is overwhelming or something you would have a hard time sticking to. I know, like, a lot of people with anxiety will kind of schedule their day. They're like, okay, well, I'm gonna get up at seven and I'm gonna go for a walk and then. At, you know, 7.45, I'm going to have a shower and then I'm going to make breakfast. It's that kind of thing that they really kind of regiment their whole day. Um, And if you're up for that, that works really well for a lot of people. But if you're already in the middle of an anxiety cycle, that can feel really overwhelming. So just schedule one thing. Schedule time with uh, like a phone call with a friend or schedule a time to FaceTime or something like that sign yourself up for one of those free yoga classes that people are doing online where you just they you have to it's live stream so you got to be there at that time to kind of do it along with someone um there are different things like that that are there are a lot of companies are stepping up and offering a lot of free trials or just free classes and things like that so take a look and see what you can find but just add something structured into your day um One of the other things we kind of talked about in my teen years, I did research. Um, In my adult years, it shifted more to just a general project. Um, So alphabetize your bookshelf, do a puzzle that takes a considerable amount of time. Um, I spent several months working on a family tree, so digging into my genealogy, uh, which was a fascinating project, actually, and well worth it. Um, they have, Ancestry has free weekends, um, usually around holidays. So if you keep an eye open with Mother's Day coming up, they might do a free Mother's Day weekend, um, um, trial. So you get like from Friday to Sunday for free. So you don't necessarily have to invest money into something like that. There are, if you dig around, there are some websites that are free that are really helpful and you can get a lot of good information off of. It gets a little bit more complicated if you're researching a family tree from another country so the United States has a really good uh, free genealogy stuff that you can get into Canada does not really have a whole lot um, but most of my family tree is in like England Scotland Ireland kind of areas um, with a little bit of the Netherlands and Germany thrown in and Ireland is tricky. So if you're researching your family tree back into Ireland, that is difficult. There are, um, it's really hard to access records online. So I ran into a bit of a problem there. Um, and it was also going back pretty far. My family tree crosses over into Ireland, um, in the 1800s. So It's a little bit like not very many places were doing a census back then, not very many of the records have necessarily been digitized. So that can be a little bit more complicated, which is where places like Ancestry um, are handy just because they have a pretty good database. Um, You just can't access the entire, like aspects of Ancestry are free all of the time. You just can't access the awesomeness that is their complete database. without a monthly subscription, which right now you might not want to dive into. But um, if that is something that interests you, it is definitely extraordinarily interesting and time-consuming. So it would be a good project to dive into um, if you're interested in having something you can throw a lot of focus and attention um, into. So that's something else that I've had that I can pull out of my toolbox. I am really big on... Lists which we've talked about. Um, I find if I'm struggling um, with depression or feeling really anxious, I will um, have a notebook where I've listed things that I'm grateful for uh, so it can help put your attention back onto finding the silver lining or focusing on the positive and snapping your brain out of uh, what I call the worst case scenario brain where you're just focusing on something negative or something that is giving you a lot of anxiety. So that I find really helpful. I also have another notebook where I list things that make me happy. Um, It's a really helpful notebook to have because if I'm feeling like I'm floundering and I'm in the middle of it and I can't really see how to get out of it, I can grab that notebook and be like, right, I enjoy this and this and this, right? Like things that will make me happy and I can kind of pick one of those things to, to either think about if it's like a memory or a place or um for example like all of the Harry Potter movies and books would be on that list so i could be like right i have the entire Harry Potter Harry Potter movie collection i could go watch one uh and that would probably help make me happier um and that kind of thing so it can remind you um or help give you ideas of something to do which is good and i also have another notebook i am a big fan of dollar store notebooks <laughs> I have another notebook of favorite quotes that I've come across. Um, when I first started filling that notebook out, I like actively went looking for quotes to put in. And I was like, oh, right. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, um, oh, names are escaping my brain right now. Jeez Louise. Um, I know that C.S. Lewis said something really cool and I can't remember what it is. So I would do like a search online for C.S. Lewis quotes and that kind of thing, uh, when I was first getting going just to kind of get the juices flowing and what have you over the years. Cause I think I started on that project seven or eight years ago now, uh, now I add a quote when I come across it. So if someone, if it, well, I'm watching a TV show and one of the characters says something interesting, um, or I find it uniquely profound, I will pause the TV show and write it in my book or make a mental note to Google search what exactly the quote was so I can add it to my book of quotes. Uh, But I find that helpful too because there are just a lot of people have said some really cool things that are just nuggets of wisdom. Um, And if you're feeling a little bit distressed and nuggets of wisdom can be helpful or help you just take your mind and put it somewhere different. I find that that's the biggest thing that I need is just to snap my current mindset out um, and break the cycle so that I can move forward into something else. Um, so a couple of things that are not in my toolbox, um, but I do get talked about kind of a lot. Um, journaling is huge, huge. Um, I've tried journaling a few times and unfortunately I get frustrated with my lack of consistency and that seems to upset me more than the journaling helps. <laughs> so one of those interesting phenomenons where it's a really great tool. It does not work well for me. Um, art. Art is another huge, um, a huge thing that I wish that I could do. Um, I know people who draw beautifully or paint beautifully or create physically beautiful artistic things. Um, my grandma was like, she made stained glass windows, like just amazing. Um, Really awesome. I some people make jewelry and that kind of thing. So if you can have like a creative, artistic outlet um, that you can pull out of your toolbox, that's helpful. I the only thing artistically wise that I did that I forgot to mention um, before, I found in my teen, my late teens, early twenties probably, that it was helpful for me to think like to visualize my anxiety. So. I am not, like <laughs> like I said, I'm not artistic. I can't even draw stick people well. Um, that's just not something that's part of my wheelhouse. Uh, but what I did do was I managed to draw a little... I can't explain it. But I made like a physical representation um, in a very simplistic cartoonish kind of way of um, a creature that... Um, I could visualize my anxiety being and it did two really great things. It helped me seeing it visually help me. It just made it more tangible. Like it made it something, it's not just like an emotion or a feeling or a physiological response from inside myself. It was something that I could see and being able to visualize it, I could then talk to it, which I also found very helpful. Um, And it also in the second bit of it, it helped me separate the feeling of anxiety from myself. So I could kind of push it out and think of it as it's something that my brain and my nervous system are doing to me. It is not who I am or necessarily a part of me. So visualizing it specifically as a particular little creature thing um, helped me push it out of myself and, that worked really well for me if you're really into naming things you could name your little anxiety creature or something so if you are um, a visually amazing human being with an awesome creative mind who also happens to be artistic um, drawing a physical representation of what you imagine your anxiety to look like could be really helpful for you too Um, i chose to do mine in a little bit more i want i wanted it to be a little bit more friendly So like it's kind of cartoonish and dorky looking, um, and a little bit more friendly in appearance just because, um, I felt that that would be helpful if if I had imagined it being something really scary or something really horrific or something more that looked like a monster. Um, I think that that probably would have pushed me into it further if that makes sense or made it seem like something that was insurmountable, um. I don't think I'm explaining that very well. But anyways, it was really important to me to make it look like something friendly um, so that I could kind of... It made it easier to deal with, I think. So that was a tool for my teen years that has like, come into my adult years uh, that I find really helpful. Um, so that's kind of... That is my toolbox. As it stands, everything I can think of anyways in its completeness. Um, so... Things that are really important if you're dealing with a cycle of anxiety right now. Things you may want to consider. Um, I don't know about you, but I am a stress eater. Uh, when I get anxious or in any way upset, I also get ravenously hungry. And unfortunately, not for things that are good for me. I want like poutine or nachos or cheeseburgers, fast food, preferably cheeseburgers, Um I spent like an entire day telling myself I did not need McDonald's french fries recently. So I, it's not necessarily um, a good thing, but I am definitely an eater. I like to eat my feelings, which is bad. Um, just because a lot of the foods that our bodies crave when we're struggling with anxiety are not going to help us get out of it, if that makes um, any kind of sense. My dad was telling me one time he knows um, someone who helps run a suicide hotline. uh, And if you call their suicide hotline, they ask you how many potato chips and how much soda you have had recently or if you have had any energy drinks. Um, (laughs) And he's like, that's weird. But your body has a physical reaction to junk food. Especially potato chips and soda and energy drinks. Um, That can actually, well, I mean, in this point, it's a suicide hotline. So it can actually push you over the edge. But it makes your emotions and it it changes you, the chemical reactions and things in your brain. So although it's really difficult um, and you may like, I really just want to eat some, you know, like for me it's a lot of pasta I love carbs when I'm not happy or am I feeling anxious Um, but you may want to try taking if possible try taking a step back um, in those moments and trying to make if not a healthier completely decision like if you want french fries you may not be able to talk yourself into eating a salad Um, and it you know If taking care of yourself in that moment means you need French fries, then eat the French fries. But keep in mind the long-term big picture that you want to take a look at what you're eating on a day-to-day basis and try to make healthier choices in general Um, because your nutrition uh, plays a bigger role than a lot of people realize when it comes to anxiety. Um, So it's important to take a look at what you eat over the course of a month, say. Um, so you know, if on a random Tuesday you really need to eat an entire box of macaroni and cheese, do that. If, if that's what you need in the moment, like take care of yourself, but don't only eat macaroni and cheese. If that makes sense, like in the the big picture over the entire month, you want to make sure that you're getting fruits and vegetables and good proteins and um, drinking lots of water, and maybe that's what you tell yourself. You say like, right now I really, really need French fries because I'm struggling, and that's what my body is telling me will make me feel better. Um, but drink a big glass of water while you eat your French fries. You know, like do something to help, kind of help mitigate the fact that you don't necessarily, you don't want to fill yourself up with only the comfort junky foods. If you are a person who stress eats, and your comfort food happens to be zucchini my hat is off to you (laughs) because you you would be a rare and mythical unicorn and a beautiful creature. Um, But if you're anything like me um, and stress eating is a thing for you and you also really love carbs, just try to take a big picture look at your overall nutritional health. Um, And if anxiety is something you've been struggling with for a while now, um, make a conscious effort to make some changes improvement wise in your nutritional health. Um, And I can pretty much guarantee you that if you do that, you will notice some improvements Um, and the more nutritious you get, the more improvements you will see. Um, So that's really important to think about. The other thing that's really important to think about is sleep, our sleeping habits um, and our sleeping schedules. I know every person needs a different amount of sleep. Unfortunately for me, um, I need a ridiculously large amount of sleep. (laughs) Oh dear, I'm one of those people that I can survive on six to seven hours of sleep a night um, short term. The longer I do that, um, the harder I struggle with things like anxiety and the more... um, How do I put it nicely? I become not a very nice person in a short amount of time. Uh, I do not handle six to seven hours of sleep very well. I have friends who get by on four to five hours a night perfectly fine. That's all they need. And they are successful human beings. And I'm jealous of them because I need eight to nine hours of sleep on a regular basis in order to function like a normal human being. Um, But taking in mind, if you are really, really struggling with anxiety... um, Try setting a bedtime alarm for when you would ideally like to go to sleep um, and then go to sleep. Like you know, pajamas, brush teeth in bed, lights out. Um, if you want to listen to an audiobook or whatever, if you or if you're a person who can fall asleep with the TV on, um, I can't more power to you. I like audiobooks because I can listen to it, which with my eyes closed, so I can fall asleep. but it also stops the hamster wheel going in my brain. Of thinking of all of the things I've done wrong in the last 15 years or all of the conversations I should have said something different in <laughs> which is not helpful in any way but I do have trouble with insomnia and I do find that audiobooks assist with that also if you have a partner who snores audiobooks assist with that as well because it helps drown out the horrible noise that comes out of their mouths so that is that um, piece of advice but take a look if you've been struggling with anxiety lately um, Maybe start a sleep journal. so write down what time you go to bed, what time you wake up. Um, set a bedtime alarm so it goes off to remind you that you need to be winding down, relaxing, getting into bed. There are free apps that you can get that do those um, sleep hypnosis type things where an actual accredited hypnotist will walk you or a body through relaxation. Um, Even if hypnotism is not something you're susceptible to, the relaxation techniques will still um, help. So that's good too. Um, And having an alarm to wake up in the morning is good. Um, I think that that, like for me, that's the way to go. Um, Getting up, even if I've only gotten a couple hours of sleep, like the last last night I slept well, thank goodness. But the two nights prior to that, Rupert had bad nights, therefore I had bad nights. Um, So I had two nights in a row where I got five to six hours of sleep and I was a walking zombie. Uh, it was not good. And I did struggle significantly more with anxiety those two days because of the sleep deprivation. But um, I still got up in the morning. And I still went about my day. Um, when Rupert napped, I did lay down. I suck at napping. Um, but I did lay down and at least rest. So I'm, for me, that's the way to go. Go to bed at the same time. as close to the same time um, as you can get up at the same time or as close to the same time as you can um, and then have a midday rest slash nap timed if needed please do not accidentally nap in the middle of the day for five hours because you will not be able to go to bed (laughs) that will not be good but if you want to lay down for an hour and a half like an hour hour and a half that's probably helpful to get you through the rest of your day. Um, those are the things I find make a really big difference. Big picture wise, um, is nutrition and sleep. So those are my, those are my things. Um, so just a little bit, um, of talking about the difference between an actual anxiety attack, um, and dealing with what I call the anxiety cycle. Um, We talked about the anxiety attack a little bit already. The difference for me versus now from when I was a teenager was if I do feel like I am going to have a full-on anxiety attack, um, when I was a teenager, I fought it. I didn't want it to happen. It's a horrible feeling, and I struggled against it like mad. Um, What I've learned over the last almost two decades um, is that an anxiety attack is very similar To an undertow if you've done any swimming or you've heard professional divers talk about swimming if you get sucked into an undertow the worst thing you can do is fight it they say swim with the undertow current push into it and it will kick you out Um, but if you fight it you will probably drown and I find that for me anxiety attacks are the same way if I fight it it a makes it last a lot longer B, it is a hellish experience, um, and C, yeah, it feels a lot like you're drowning. So now that I have a little bit more um, experience and, yes, uh, wisdom surrounding the situation, I no longer fight them. Um, I just ride it out and give in to it and just wait for it to come through on its own. Um, I do what I can to make myself comfortable Luckily for me, um, my anxiety attacks are more an internal experience. I know some people, um, for them, their anxiety attack is more of an outside experience where um, they involuntarily uh, do damage to their bodies. Um, Some people aggressively hit themselves, for example, um, which is something I don't have experience with. um, But... If that is something that you experience, um, a, they actually train dogs to sense anxiety attacks and to put their bodies in your body's way to not allow you to physically harm yourself. Um, so an emotional, um, they're, they're actually, they're not an emotional support dog, they're actually a trained kind of like a seeing eye dog or um, a dog that's there to sense seizures, like they're actually a medical trained dog Um, that you could look into getting Um, yes because I'm not sure I'm not equipped and have zero experience or advice in that arena whatsoever Um, but yeah for me it's a very internal thing that I can just make myself physically comfortable whether it's laying down in bed or sitting in the couch or taking myself to the car or taking myself outside if I'm inside somewhere Um, and just experiencing it and letting it happen And telling myself that it is not something that's going to last forever. The anxiety attack itself will pass. Um, And then that is how I've been handling those um, the last, I want to say, 10-ish years. Um, I do not do the same thing with an anxiety cycle. um, Because anxiety cycles can last weeks slash months. The last really bad cycle I had... Uh, lasted almost four months. Um, and you can't really just give in to that because of the length of time. There were days that I was like, okay, today I'm just doing whatever my instincts tell me to do. And that's what's happening. I'm taking care of myself and that's that. Um, but there were days where I had to pull things out of my toolbox and really work on myself and I felt up for that. So that's important to do on those days just because the cycle can last so long. Um, the last really bad one I had was years ago now, but um, I, could, I couldn't go outside um, at all for like four months. Um, and if I got out of bed at all, I went to my couch where I sat under a blanket, a blanket that had to be over my head um, just because the anxiety was so bad um that a lot of days that was literally all i could do um yeah not good so in, the, in that type of a situation um if it's gotten to that kind of a place then um definitely do what you can to pull on your pull things out of your toolbox and lean on some friends i had some really great friends during that time who called me a lot um and talked to me quite a bit and I found that really really helpful um and eventually you know pulling things out of your toolbox like that episode could have easily been a year um honestly um the fact that I managed to get out of it in only four months is in my opinion a huge win um so there is a big difference between the attack versus the cycle I'm sure there's a better name for it (laughs) but um yeah. So I think what, what a lot of people are struggling with right now is an anxiety cycle. So, um, take some things from my toolbox and try them out. Um, see what you have in your toolbox. If you have a friend who's dealt with anxiety for a long time, phone them up, see what's in their toolbox. Um, and just try things until you find things that work really well for you that you can put into your toolbox. So to wrap things up for this week, um, really quickly, because I didn't realize how long I had been talking for, um, the uh, recording program I use only lets me do 60 minutes and then it automatically shuts me off um, and makes me save. So I'm sorry, I did not realize I had hit the 60 minute mark. Um, But to finish things off for this week, um, my tip to try definitely is work on your anxiety toolbox. Um, Get things uh, organized there a little bit or expand it a little bit. Obviously this week what I'm struggling with is just dealing with the day-to-day anxiety um, cycle a little bit. It's not bad this time, but it definitely is happening. Uh, so I'm pulling things out of my own toolbox too. Three things I'm grateful for today, definitely the rain. Uh, we really needed it and I've noticed a huge improvement in my seasonal allergies um, because of it. So super grateful, super, super grateful Um for that and I am grateful that um, as far as I know um, my boys are sleeping still I think Robin was going to lay down too for a little bit Um, but they haven't come outside or text me or anything so I'm assuming that uh, Rupert's having a really great nap today so I'm looking forward to an awesome afternoon because of that so grateful that I managed to record the entire podcast um, in one go as far as not having to pause it myself and resume later. Two goes as far as the recording program not letting me go more than 60 minutes. Um, The third thing that I'm grateful for is having friends who are willing to talk to me about their anxiety um, struggles and their toolbox. Um, Having someone to talk to you about it definitely helps make you feel less alone. So I hope that this episode of this podcast has done that for you. If it's something that you're struggling with too, uh, you're definitely not alone. It definitely is something that I also struggle with uh, and I am happy to talk about it as much as um, is wanted. So that being said, um, if you want to share your tips or tools from your toolbox, um, send me an email. It's gwinnable at gmail.com. I T S G U I N A-B-L-E at gmail.com. I'm also happy uh, to answer any questions that you maybe were thinking of while I was talking during the podcast, or if there's a specific um, thing that you'd like uh, to talk about a little bit more, um, let me know. um, If I can be helpful in some way, it will make my almost two decades of experience worthwhile that would be awesome Uh, so utilize that if you want to and uh, that is it for this episode at long last I apologize for going so long this is definitely the longest podcast episode that I've ever made Um, so I hope that you were able to hang in there with me and that you got some value from today and I will talk to you all again next week